Folks, I have a question. Why are so many millennials stroking out? We've got a new study out that says millennials are having strokes at a younger age and a faster rate than ever before in American history. We're going to explain that. And also, of course, that little that little issue that might be coming up soon later this year called World War Three. But first, I want to remind you that if you want to keep abreast of all the updates, all the news, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and then also go to the Poso Daily Brief and sign up. It's humanevents.com slash Poso, humanevents.com slash Poso, completely free. Read what I read. All the stories that I use for show prep will be delivered directly to you, even the ones that don't necessarily make the show. So in case you missed the show or you want to just catch up on something else, you will be able to get that every day, completely for free in your inbox. Humanevents.com slash Poso, the Poso Daily Brief. Let's get into it. And today, today I'm announcing that the United States will be sending 31 Abram tanks to Ukraine, the equivalent of one Ukrainian battalion. Secretary Austin has recommended this step because it will enhance the Ukraine's capacity to defend its territory and achieve its strategic objectives. The Abrams tanks are the most capable tanks in the world. <clears throat> They're also extremely complex to operate and maintain. So we're also giving Ukraine the parts and equipment necessary to effectively sustain these tanks on the battlefield. And we begin, we'll begin to train the Ukrainian troops on these issues of sustainment, logistics, and maintenance as soon as possible. And therefore, I've said already in the last days, yes, we have to do more to defend Ukraine. Yes, we have to do more also on tanks. But the most important and the crucial part is that we do it together and that we do not do the blame game in Europe because we are fighting a war against Russia and not against each other. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is January 25th, 2023, Anno Domine. We are at war with Russia, so declares the German foreign minister, Annalena Baerbock. Annalena Baerbock, the millennial or my favorite millennial foreign minister in the world. But, you know, it's interesting about uh, Annalena Baerbock, because if you look at her background, she's actually a, ma a member of the Green Party. She's also one of the founders of the Pan-European Green Party. If you look at the uh, beliefs of the Green Party, you find out that one thing that they stand for, as opposed to everybody else, is depopulation. So apparently... We're going to achieve the depopulation goals of the Green Party through nuclear war. Then again, what is the carbon footprint of a nuclear holocaust? Maybe Greta can figure that out for us. But of course, here's Joe Biden, our, our illustrious president, weekend at Biden's. You know, I actually said earlier today on Twitter that we, you know, so somebody asked me, they said, is this something that's going to uh, demand that, that Russia put forward a declaration of war. And I said, well, look, this isn't a video game. It's not a movie. So put the video game thinking aside, put the movie thinking aside. There are human beings on either side of this. It's not like you cross one line and automatically you're in war. No, these are, these are human beings making human decisions. Except for the United States, where we have Weekend at Bernie's plus Raytheon and Lockheed running the entire show. So we've got President Biden out there today, and he says, today I'm announcing that the United States will be sending 31 Abrams tanks, not Stacey Abrams. You guys with the memes, cut that off. Okay, it was me. 
the equivalent of one Ukrainian battalion. But he emphasized that Germany's decision was central in his decision to authorize the Leopard 2 tanks and know that he was not forced by Germany. He also sought to emphasize, to emphasize, this is about helping Ukraine defend and protect Ukrainian land. It is not an offensive threat. These tanks are not for offensive purposes. We're giving that they are non-offensive tanks, defensive tanks, apparently. I didn't know that, that people made such a thing as defensive tanks. If they're defensive, what do they have the treads for? Why are they mobile? There's no reason to go on a fence. Couldn't you just plant them? Are they going to send them over without the treads? Maybe they're just going to take the motors out of them and just leave the gun turrets. Could you just send the gun turrets? You could probably send more if you did that. Obviously, they're going to be used for offenses and counteroffensives, and we're going to see this going forward. The problem, of course, is that Russia has over a thousand tanks that are currently in the field or can be deployed to the field, and they have the capacity to make something like 10,000 tanks per year. So a couple of so 31 Abrams tanks is not really going to make that much of a difference in terms of it, because you have to understand the fundamentals of the situation are not changed. Vice President got this right, Kamala Harris. One is a big country, one is a small country. That's actually not wrong because you can't change the fundamentals. You also can't change the fundamentals that one is a nuclear nation and one is not. Now, this is a huge problem. And I get pushed back all the time when I talk about Ukraine and people say, oh, but Poso, you know, they're like the founding fathers. They're like the founding generation. This is like 1776. They're trying to fight for their freedom against an oppressive imperial Russia from Moscow that's trying to uh, stomp their foot on the necks of the proud Ukrainian people and the people caught in the middle. And that's why we have to defend them, et cetera, et cetera. And I say, okay, but there's a difference between, there's a lot, I mean, obviously a lot of differences between this and 1776, but one of the main differences that I think we should all, regardless of what your feelings are, that we should all understand here is that the British empire didn't have nuclear weapons. The Russians do, they do have nuclear weapons. 6,000 of them, by the way. Can you shoot down 6,000 nuclear weapons? Shoot down some of them. Not all of them. So this is why that when you're dealing with a nuclear power, every single presidential administration throughout the entire Cold War, and this is why the Cold War remained a Cold War, because we understood that you must have rapprochement that you must have diplomacy with a country that has the ability to destroy all of humanity. We have that power too. So it would be in their interests to sue for peace. It would be in our interest to sue for peace. And it would be in the interests of the families that are caught in the middle of the fighting to sue for peace, obviously. Yet we don't hear that from Washington. We hear escalation. We hear we have to send more in. We have, to, we have to keep fighting. We have to send more tanks, more bombs, more missiles, more guns, which is funny because the war on terror ended just a year ago, and then suddenly the war in Eurasia turned on. I wonder if somebody would ever write, would ever write a book that included the line, we've always been at war with Eurasia. We must defeat Eurasia because we've always been at war with Eurasia. I can't think of any references that... Uh, that that would point to. But but folks, there, you, there once was a man who went around the country and explained that we could make deals with these powers. We don't may not have to like them, but we can go to diplomacy. 
and we don't have to start new wars. But the establishment hated this man and they hated the color of his skin, which was orange. And yet there are some people who still say that this man and his ideas may return. El Naranya. We'll see. But I'll tell you something right now. America could use this policy. America could use this policy of diplomacy, of steady-handed, right, power. Speak softly and carry a big stick. That was Teddy Roosevelt. He said that a long time ago, and for some reason, we don't seem to understand that anymore. We don't understand that that was the true power of America. Always maintain a credible threat, but be willing to talk with these regimes, be willing to talk with foreign powers, meet them where they are so that we don't have to get into a third world war. for their hand-picked judges to deny relief to those hard-working Americans. They will not succeed, in my view, but that's what they're looking for. And finally, with a straight face, Kevin McCarthy says the Magna Republic is going to restore faith in our elections. <laughs> As we say in my faith, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> restore, restore faith in our elections? Niagara Republicans refused to accept the results of the 2020 election and the will of the people. 81 million people voted Democrat for president last time. Even though they lost, they lost court case after court case after court case after court case after court case, even in front of Trump-appointed judges. And recount after recount proved the results were accurate. It's become a litmus test in their party to pledge loyalty to Donald Trump by buying into the big lie. So Fulton County, Georgia, where an interesting situation is unfolding, because if you look at the national level, there's this question of whether or not President Trump is going to be indicted prior to the 2024 election. Where he, of course, he's already a named candidate. He's announced. But there was this big deal over the summer because of the raid of Mar-a-Lago. And we were told again and again, classified documents, classified documents. He's going to be indicted. He's going to be indicted. The handling, the mishandling, the, the questions. Did he mean to do it? Did he mean to do it? And then suddenly they come out and, and it turns out that President Biden also mishandled classified documents. He's got them all over the place. He's got them. He's got classified documents coming out of who knows where President Biden does. And who knows whether Hunter Biden had access to them and who knows whether Hunter Biden was using them in terms of deals for now we can find out now why Hunter Biden was making all that money for Burisma. That's in Ukraine, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's so obvious. But there's also so here's the litmus, right? The litmus has now changed because there's no more onus on Garland to indict President Trump because the deep state has come out and played this game of saying, well, Biden also has a classified documents issue. And then, of course, Mike Pence, the dork, comes out yesterday and saying, well, I had some, I had some as well. And now that he had to go back into his punishment closet because of that. And we wish him well. Of course, we miss, we wish Mike Pence well. And when he gets out of the punishment closet, he'll be able to, uh, he'll be able to explain to us in full. But down in Fulton County, Georgia, down in Fulton County, Georgia, there's a, was a Tuesday afternoon hearing. And the Fulton County DA, another one of these woke prosecutors, 
said that she might seek indictments on multiple people in connection with the special purpose grand jury's investigation into, quote, possible criminal interference in Georgia's 2020 election. Who are we talking about here? Well, according to an analyst and lawyer down in Georgia, Philip Halloway, he states that his sources are telling him that this DA, of course, he's going to use the grand jury as a front, is planning to indict former President Trump and possibly others in Trump world in his orbit. Fulton County DA wrote, we have to be mindful of protecting future defendants' rights. Very interesting choice of words. Philip Holloway notes, note the plural defendants. Under Georgia criminal procedure, he continues, defendants do not get to take depositions as part of pretrial discovery. They generally do get a copy of the prosecutor's entire case file and have access to physical evidence for inspection, but there's not wide open discovery like in criminal cases. What does that mean? That means, and I reached out to Holloway and he responded to me, the DA can sit on this until 10 days prior to trial if they want to. So what does this have to do with? And go into local reports, WSB TV. They've stated that this all goes back an eight-month-long investigation, apparently, into criminal meddling with Georgia's 2020 election by former President Trump and has subpoenaed people like Governor Brian Kemp and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to former President Trump attorney even Rudy Giuliani and Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. They will then have to decide whether or not to indict based on, this is based on the phone calls that supposedly were being made after the election, conversations that were being had. So basically, they're going to try to indict If Holloway is correct, they might be trying to indict over a phone call, over a phone call that was made. So buckle up, folks, because even if at the national level, we may not see indictment, they of President Trump, they're seeking potentially to indict President Trump in the state of Georgia in a criminal trial, as if that's somehow going to get people to turn on him. Do people not understand how we got in this situation in the first place? There are, and there is, a massive group of people in this country that doesn't trust the process anymore. They don't trust the system. They don't trust the government. They think the system is rigged. The system looks rigged. The game is rigged. And anybody trying to play it knows that. Remember, President Trump said that. He said, you know how I know the game is rigged? He said, I used to be part of the game. I used to be in those smoke-filled rooms. I used to be one of them in the corruption. But now I want to do something about it. Well, it looks like the corruption is coming back. Because do you really mean to tell me, do you really mean to tell me that some prosecutor in some county of Georgia is going to shut down this entire thing? When people looked at this over and over and realized that these politicized cases never go anywhere. Mueller did this. Cy Vance in New York tried to do this. President Trump at this point is probably the most investigated person in modern American history. There's a whole cottage industry of like wine moms and cat ladies who sit at home watching Joy Reid, watching Rachel Maddow, watching Jake Tapper all those women shows, and they think, oh, we're going to get Trump. 
who's going to get Trump next? Oh, it's going to be Manhattan. Oh, it's going to be Fulton County. Oh, it's going to be this. Oh, it's going to be that. Oh, it's going to be Mueller. Blah, 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 blah. They podcast about it and everything. It's this whole ecosystem that exists for this whole purpose. And of course, the left feeds into it with these cases. But there's other people, conservatives and independents, by the way, who are sick of it. And they say, can't we just move on because our country is facing real problems? Again, we're looking potentially at World War III with a nuclear power. Remember, we fought two world wars already without nuclear weapons. Mutually assured destruction did not exist. And yet Mearsheimer has come out and pointed out that we're escalating with China while we're already in a hot proxy war with Russia. And meanwhile, you guys are running around chasing your wine coolers, thinking that this is the stuff that we, we should be spending our time on. Let me tell you something. Nobody's going to care what phone calls were being made in 2020 when there are nuclear missiles raining down on your homes. You people better get ready. You better get serious. So what is this link between influenza, infection, and stroke? Yeah, I didn't know about this either until last year, but it turns out that after flu season, about three or four weeks later, there is a stroke season. And like you said, most of Canada is uh, getting down off of a, of a big uh, hump of, of flu. So now we're starting to see more strokes. And a friend of uh, one of my colleagues actually mentioned that at work the other day, said, have you noticed how many strokes we're seeing? It's a lot more than usual, it feels like. So anecdotally, we're starting to see that. Stroke season. Are we in stroke season because of cold weather? Are we in stroke season because people are eating too many eggs? Sorry to all the slonkers out there who are eating raw eggs. Shout out to Raw Egg Nationalist. Thank you again for your copy of The Eggs Benedict Option. Fantastic book. I suggest that everyone should read this. However, there is a news story from Real Clear Science by the great Ross Pomeroy. Why are millennials having so many, so many strokes? Strokes commonly strike the old. The average age for the devastating condition in which blood supply to part of the brain is blocked or when a blood vessel in the brain bursts is usually between 71 years age in men and 76 in women. Millennials, however, are starting to bring those averages down, now ranging in age from 27 to 42. Millennials are suffering strokes at a higher rate than their forebears ever did, reversing a 40-year decline in stroke deaths. Between 2003 and 2012, there was a 32% spike in strokes among 18 to 34-year-old women and a 15% increase for men. So over double the percentage increase in women compared to men in millennials. So not only is there an increase, but there's an extreme increase in female millennials stroking out, apparently. When Scientific American further parsed the data, they found that the hike was mostly centered in the West and Midwest, where stroke rates among young people rose, listen to this, 70% and 34%, respectively, with particularly sharp increases in urban areas. Now, for the first time ever in American history, about one in 10 people who has a stroke in the United States is under the age of 45. This should be the, the top news in the whole entire country, right? Everyone should be talking about this. This is insane, completely insane. Now, uh, the study goes on, the paper goes on. There are many potential explanations for this. Stress, failing activity levels, fewer doctor visits could all play a role. 
Uh, cigarette use in the United States declined from the 1950s to just about 12% in 2020, and Americans collectively reaped the benefits of less smoke. At the same time, since the 1970s, the public health benefits from reduced smoking were eroded by rising obesity and its related health complications. So childhood obesity is particularly noxious in regards to early stroke, and millennials were the first generation to be truly affected by this alarming trend. The rate of childhood obesity has more than tripled from 5% in 1978 to 18.5% in 2016, leaving many more children burdened by additional conditions such as diabetes and hypertension, which can lead to strokes. So basically, you should be eating better. I should be exercising more. Get your heart checked. Eat natural food. One thing that, that my wife, Tanya Tay, always talks about, and remember, she's not from this country, okay? I know I mention that every time, but uh, for here we have, we have a point, is that she always says, and something that even for the kids, when, you know, when we're, we're purchasing food, she says, if there are too many ingredients on the box, I don't want it. I don't want it in the house. I don't want it for the kids. So when you look at some of those stuff out there that says organic, whole food, plant-based, that's, that's a new one, right? Plant-based, plant-based. Okay, yeah, there might be some plants in there, but what else do you got in there? And if there's too many chemicals, you should get it out of your house. We're seeing this in survey after survey, not to mention from, from Grit Daily. Survey finds most millennials take at least one prescription medication every day, particularly ones that deal with anxiety. And of course, We've all talked about millennial women on SSRIs. 61% of millennials in the U.S. say that mental, their mental health has suffered since 2020. In all, 68% of millennials take at least one prescription medication daily, and one in five take multiple prescriptions every day. 68%. Now, I'm, I'm at the, the older age range of millennials, but I got to tell you, uh, I ain't part of the 68%, all right? Put me, count me as part of the 32 in terms of that because no, <laughs> I do not take a prescription medication every day. I take vitamins, I take supplements, I do fish oil, I do hydrolyzed collagen every day. Uh, yeah, that's that's about it for me. There, there's, there's some more that I've been looking at, multivitamins, Tiny tries to get me to do the multivitamin more often, but no. The other one, People who are glued to their screens may have an increased risk of stroke, study finds. Philadelphia Voice printed this out, and it says that too much leisure time and screen time may increase the risk of stroke among adults under age 60, according to a study published by the American Heart Association. The researchers found that eight hours or more of daily sedentary leisure time quadrupled the risk. So it's not necessarily the screen time itself that's causing this. But what is causing it is the combination of sitting in front of a computer screen at work, then driving home, still sitting, then sitting in front of a computer screen or a TV screen at home. It's the sitting, the constant sedentary lifestyle. Fix your diet. Fix your lifestyle. You can stand while you work. Standing desks are a thing. Uh, walking desks are even a thing if you want to do that. Or if you want the real American dream, as more and more people are doing, find out to a way to work from home. Find out a way to work from uh, from anywhere in the world if you can, if you can get a job like that. These do not be chained, and I, I'm a huge proponent of this. Escape the cube farms. Find a way that you are not locked into a cubicle for eight hours a day. There's so many ways to do this now, with our with modern technology, with the internet. 
so many jobs you can do from home. We've done this podcast. We've done this show from three separate continents already. We've all been around for about a year and a half. I think we're up to something like a dozen countries. I have to double check the math on that one. You can do it. Think outside the box and make sure that you are adding daily health regimen to your schedule. Because as we become more, shall we say, meta in our, in our thinking, everything's meta now, everything's meta. You have to understand that if you just have the TV on every day in the background and you're sitting there staring at it instead of actually going out, doing something, getting active, you are losing your health benefits and you only get one health. You only get one. God gives it to you. God wants you to take care of it, but you only get one chance at it because the minute you lose that, it's gone. By the way, podcasts are a great way to go through and listen to while you're working out. So I highly recommend if you have not done so yet, subscribe to this podcast, get the notification, hit the bell or whatever the plus sign is, whichever podcast app you use, and you will be able to listen to this every single day at the gym. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.